Welcome to Sustainable Northfield, a podcast project based in Northfield, Minnesota, focused on making sustainability education more accessible and interesting for everyone. This episode of Sustainable Northfield was produced as part of an academic civil engagement project through St. Olaf College by myself, Eric Freeling, and my partners, Mackenzie Farrell, Grace Menerick, and Lauren Borst. I'm your host, Eric Freeling. This month, we will be discussing a species of invasive insect called the emerald ash borer. An invasive species can be defined as a non-native organism which negatively affects the local ecosystem. In this instance, emerald ash borers are an invasive insect threatening the health of ash trees across the country. Emma Schultz from the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources has been kind enough to share what the public should know about emerald ash borers and why they're relevant to us here in Northfield. My name is Emma Schultz, and I'm the Community Forest Project Specialist at the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. I help communities across Minnesota in a variety of ways through both technical and financial assistance. I facilitate grants to communities to help them prepare and manage for emerald ash borer. And I also oversee the Tree City USA programs for Minnesota. These are volunteer certification programs that recognize communities, campuses, and utilities for actively managing their community trees. Could you give us an overview of emerald ash borers? What are they? Where did they come from? And why should we be concerned? It is a small iridescent green beetle that is not native to this part of the world. It is native elsewhere in Eastern Russia, Northern China, Japan, and Korea. So our native ash trees, of which there are a few species, have no natural defenses to cohabit peacefully alongside emerald ash borer. Now we do have other native wood boring beetles and these beetles can still cause problems to our native trees when the trees are stressed or otherwise sick. However, emerald ash borer is different from these native beetles and other invasive species can be different from native pests because EAB can kill otherwise healthy ash trees and quickly. Trees are killed because the larvae or young EAB tunnel underneath the ash tree bark and they feed on the part of the tree that moves water and nutrients up and down the trunk, effectively girdling it or cutting off those nutrients. So without being able to move the nutrients, a tree becomes stressed to the point of death. And within a couple of years, trees will frequently lose most of their leaves and they can die within just three to four years of infestation. Widespread mortality is a cause for concern because tree removal, first of all, is expensive. And if ash trees are left standing dead because they um, uh, you know, cannot be gotten to immediately, they can become safety hazards and then even more expensive to remove. We have a lot of ash trees in Minnesota. So when large numbers of trees are dying, that presents a serious cost burden to whoever is responsible for those trees, whether it's a homeowner with three trees that all die at the same time, or a city with thousands of trees dying at the same time. The first step to stop the spread of emerald ash borers is the identification of ash trees. Ash trees have compound leaves with five to 11 leaflets on each leaf. The bark of a mature tree resembles the diamond pattern and the seeds, which are present in fall, are oblong and clustered in groups. 
We'll link to an identification guide in the show notes for more visual aid. Once an ash tree is identified, the next step is to establish if emerald ash borers are present. Emma, do you have any advice for how we can identify if a tree has become infested with emerald ash borers? Sure. For a tree in an early stage of infestation, the leaves on the top of the tree, which you might know as the upper crown or canopy to use technical terms, will thin out and begin to die back. The tree is beginning to be stressed, so it may also send out additional shoots and leaves from the trunk further down. This is called epicormic sprouting or branching. And then eventually woodpeckers will be drawn to the tree because of the presence of insects under the bark. And the way that they extract the insects from under the bark leads to patches of missing bark and then a general appearance of blonding on the trunk. So the, the other aspects you may or may not notice that may be harder to see are D-shaped exit holes from adult beetles leaving the tree and insect galleries and larvae that are under the bark, which may be present. However, a lot of times, at least in the early stages of infestation, these are probably gonna be higher up above eye level. So they're gonna be difficult for you to observe. Thanks for the tips, Emma. Ash trees are very common in Minnesota. Professor Angela Gupta is our next speaker from the University of Minnesota. We discussed the role of ash trees in Midwest ecosystems. So my name is Angela Gupta. I'm a University of Minnesota Extension Forester and I'm office out of Rochester, Minnesota. And I do traditional forestry for University of Minnesota Extension down in the Southeast region of the state. So that includes things like forest management and silviculture. And that of course includes things like emerald ash borer management. In addition to that, I am also um, a statewide lead for terrestrial invasive species programming within the University of Minnesota Extension. And so that also includes emerald ash borer and uh, many other invasive terrestrial species. So we know that a lot of Minnesota and Northfield's ash trees are in danger due to the emerald ash borer. Is there anything being done to figure out if we can replace these trees and their ecosystems and maintain the important ecological niche that they fill? Yeah, it's a super great question. And so in that ash management guide that I worked on years ago, we did offer recommendations for tree species replacements for ash in each ecosystem in which ash was likely to EAB was likely to be most impactful. Uh, and then and then some of those, so this was essentially before we had, you know, field tested data. And so now we're starting to see um, a field tested data come in about which trees are likely to be not only able to replace ash for ecosystem resilience, but also be able to thrive in Minnesota's changing climates. And I think it's important to, to juxtaposition that together because it isn't really helpful if we replant our ash trees with other trees that can fill these e ecological niches if those new trees can't survive in Minnesota's changing and likely climate future. We'd love to hear a little bit more about the emerald ash borer situation here in Minnesota. Is there anything that makes Minnesota unique compared to other states? And have any other states or communities dealt with emerald ash borers in different ways? Minnesota has the largest resource of ash trees, native ash trees in the United States, uh, Michigan having lost that title because of emerald ash borer. And so functionally, Minnesota has the most ash to lose. And we have some of our black ash ecosystems in northern Minnesota are forests. And so as ash goes, so do those forest stands. 
And unfortunately, those forest lands tend to be very, very wet. And the hydrologic cycle, the cycle of moving water from the ground to the air is really done through those ash trees. And as the ash trees die from anything, uh, in this case, emerald ash borer, the, the pipes of the hydrologic system die as well. And so there is really serious reason to believe that those systems would transition from forests to things like cattails and, and swamps. And so uh, that doesn't make a forester happy. We worry about that. So that is one way in which you, Minnesota is unique. The other way in which Minnesota is unique in, as it relates to emerald ash borer is we were looking for emerald ash borer. Um, we found it through those early detection rapid response mechanisms. We found it we had some of the earliest finds of EAB in any state. What I mean by that is that we found EAB when it was still at very low densities many times. So the first find in St. Paul was at a relatively low density for emerald ash borer. And many of our county finds since then have been at relatively low densities of emerald ash borer, which means that we have the most management options. And so as a result, um, Minnesota has been very aggressive with our emerald ash borer management. Not only have we been aggressive in getting community members on board to look for, report emerald ash borers through some very efficient reporting systems, including the Great Lakes Early Detection Network app, which is our preferred reporting system. But we also have Arrest the Pest through the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, which is an email and phone number that people can call and that has enabled us to act quickly and and aggressively so we've worked with communities uh, to treat emerald ash borer when appropriate we have also done a, the minnesota department of ag has done a lot of biocontrol releases to try to reduce the emerald ash borer population in our forest stands where insecticides are not practic practical and so because of those quick responses and aggressive actions we have been able to really slow the progression of emerald ash borer i mean if you look at the state it has it has spread but not at the same speed that you have seen it in other states and so that has essentially bought us time to both prepare our forests and our communities for emerald ash borer and it has bought time for the research to to happen and so that we continue to explore ways in which we might be able to make our forest resilient um, by buying this time before emerald ash borer gets to our northern forest in particular. Thank you, Angela, for sharing your expertise. Similar to the overall trend in Minnesota, Northfield has had the opportunity to be proactive in their efforts to manage the emerald ash borer. We are able to talk with Jeff Hafner from Rainbow Tree Care about how Northfield residents to begin planning for emerald ash borers in the coming months and years. My name is Jeff Hafner. I'm the director of municipal consulting with Rainbow Tree Care. And my role is really just a consultative one with the city of Northfield as they look to develop their EAB management strategy over the next few years. Uh, I'm just helping along the way. So for someone listening who has an ash tree, what are some of their options going forward? Yeah, the first step you mentioned is really confirming that you have an ash tree. Uh, you know, we in the Twin Cities have been actively dealing with emerald ash borer since 2009. Um, so now 12 years later, we are still surprised when homeowners first learn they have an ash tree, when the city condemns it 
because of its infested status. And homeowners are still left with the sense of had they known, they would have done more. So confirming that you have an ash tree is the first step. After that, it's a it's a calculation of just how valuable that tree is to you and the property and deciding what steps you want to take. If it is an ash tree and emerald ash borer is present, the tree will be killed. So knowing that in advance is kind of an advantage that, um, you know, if the tree's not important, you can make the decision to remove the tree before it dies. It's definitely easier to remove a live tree than a dead one and likely less expensive. However, the cost of protecting that tree is far less than the cost of removal and replacement, even after multiple years of repeated treatments. And I think more importantly, the annual cost of keeping that tree alive is less than the annual benefits that that tree provides. So if homeowners are able to see that tree as an asset requiring maintenance, in my opinion, it helps them get more comfortable with an investment in maintaining property infrastructure and not this binary protect forever or remove and replace. It's really just asset management and likely these ash trees that are growing on properties have had many years of deferred maintenance and haven't really incurred a whole lot of costs up until now. So if you were to spread those costs over the life of the tree, then tree protection really becomes a low cost, high benefit option. Really any size property, I would apply a similar strategy, identify the ash trees and decide which ones are high quality and which ones are low quality. And you can use whatever set of criteria works for you. Preserve the high quality essentially indefinitely until they maybe die of something else. And then look at your low quality trees and establish your annual removal budget, whether that's like how many trees you can lose or how much you can afford in tree removals every year. And then protect the ones you can't for a short term. So if you can't afford to remove them, protect them in the short term until you can remove them. That way you always are ensuring that you are paying to remove only live trees and not dead ones, which are more expensive. And establish that replanting budget that meets your particular canopy goals. So if you're on a three acre lot that's already heavily wooded and you want more sun, then your canopy goal may be to let more sun in. However, in my experience, in communities, that shade is far too valuable, especially as our cities continue to heat up with climate change. So I, I haven't seen a lot of people, you know, clamoring for more sun to fall on their roof. But I mean, that might work for you. Maybe the tree is too close and you want to replant one just a little bit further away. What would tree maintenance look like? Are there different treatment options available? Yeah, protection from emerald ash borer requires treatment with a pesticide. And there are really two, you know, intervals. The first interval would be annual. There are treatments that are done annually, typically through a treatment in the soil, which is then taken up into the tree. Those annual treatments are, you know, effective for smaller trees mm -hmm. at low pest pressure. But as trees get bigger and as pest pressure increases, the trunk injection form of tree protection is more effective, and that's done every two years. But that's a process where a series of holes are drilled at the base of the tree right at the soil line, and the product is, is applied to that tree under low pressure and drawn up through the vascular system, moving the, the product into place where if the tree is fed on by emerald ash borer, the insects are killed. 
that in situations of heavily wooded areas that are hard to get to, mm-hmm. um, probably a, a more uh, accurate response would be benign and neglect, where the trees are just left to be killed mm-hmm. and fall over on their own. But in my opinion, anywhere there is a high quality ash tree in a maintained area, it, it's worth protection. Even if in the short term, to create a 20-year removal plan instead of a five-year removal plan. Right. Because you you push those removal costs further into the future, you maintain those annual benefits, and you, more importantly, I think, have an opportunity to shift the replanting effort earlier in your plan so that by the time that mature ash tree comes down, the replacement tree is already bigger. Thanks, Jeff, for explaining the treatment options available for emerald ash borers. As Jeff mentioned, Working to maintain annual tree benefits and spreading out the replacement costs is beneficial for the city budget and also for the tree canopy community. Our next guest is Beth Callisted. She is currently the program coordinator of the Climate Action Plan and also the Racial Equity Plan and the City of Northfield, as well as various other projects. Um, Beth has experience as the executive director of the Cannon River Watershed Partnership and at the U of M Extension. And we'd love to hear a little bit from you, Beth, just about your role with the Emerald Ash Borer and also just all the stuff that I missed that I'm sure you're involved with. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, Yeah, so as part of the city's climate action plan, um, which we adopted in November 2019, we have a long range goal of being 100% carbon free community by 2040. And really carbon-free means for us um, a mix of uh, not generating uh, carbon emissions as well as um, offsets and sequestration, capturing carbon in things like plants and trees and such. Uh, and so for me, um, that the connection to the emerald ash borer um, issue in, in ash trees is that um, wanting to have um, a well, well-maintained and healthy tree canopy in the city um, means that we have to be prepared for um, managing um, the death of ash trees that we anticipate is going to be happening over the next you know, 10, 20 years um, due to emerald ash borer infestation in Minnesota. Great. Thanks for that information. We'd love to hear more about what Northfield is doing currently to manage emerald ash borers, as well as any plans we have for the future. Yeah, so we are just in the process now. We did some work a few years back. Um, we had a student um, intern with us over the summer who was able to dig into this a bit and, and develop a bit of a plan. Um, but I think having, it, it wasn't something that we had gotten to the point of really putting um, budget dollars behind. And so now with the climate action plan and having um, this concern about tree canopy, as well as there being some funding opportunities at the state level, um, we are now trying to move forward and and really figure this out. Uh, We have our trees mapped. Um, For the most part, we did a tree inventory in 2016 of trees on public land, um, just about all the trees, not some of the really heavily wooded areas, but the boulevard trees and, and parks and things like that. So we have some good information on locations and um, we're in the process of finalizing uh, a grant agreement with the Department of Natural Resources that'll give us some some funds to help with um, doing, kind of really getting that plan into good shape 
um, figuring out what what it makes sense with um, with the budget dollars that the city does have for tree maintenance and how we can use that additional support from the um, the state funds on on unfortunately removal um, of some ash trees that um, probably aren't gonna aren't gonna make it or are um, honestly at a young enough age so that we can we can put other trees in before um, we get big trees that get infested. Um, and so we're, we're just getting started with that, um, hopefully in this, this fall and early winter. With this grant from the DNR, will there be any chance that we'll get financial assistance for residents with ash trees on their property? Yeah, so right now the plan, um, we, we will have funding. Unfortunately, it's not it's not a huge uh, amount of trees that we'll be able to do. So we're going to try to triage this as best we can, um, and and figure out which ones make the most sense to to try to remove first. Um, but we will be looking at um, you know kind of the age of the trees and their current health. Um, which ones make more sense to try to treat and save, which is an, an option. Um, which ones make more sense to remove and replace. Uh, we will be contacting the homeowners that have um, ash trees in, in boulevard areas. So this, the funding we have is, um, is limited at this point to trees on public property. And so we would be able to look at um, some ash trees that are in boulevard areas um, that the city has a right of way on. And so I'll be, we'll be getting some processes set up um, for that here over the, the fall and winter um, in ways that people can, can reach out if, if they do have an interest. Lastly, is there any other advice you'd like Northfield residents to know regarding emerald ash borers and how they can be involved with tree management? Yeah, so I think definitely, um, you know, using some of the materials on, um, on how to kind of pay attention to your tree. So if you do have an ash tree, in your yard or in a park nearby or something. Um, there's a guidance um, pieces from Extension and some others that you can go out and kind of try to take a look at your trees and see if see if you're seeing anything, keep an eye on it. Um, homeowners are most welcome <laughs> if they have an ash tree to, to set up um, a treatment plan with a, a tree care service if they want to verify, you know, can this tree be saved? Um, or they may want to consider removing the tree sooner rather than later and, um, and planting something different. Um, we're trying to really get more species diversity in our tree canopy here. We have a lot of maple and a lot of ash. And so um, looking at trees that are not those um, and ones that will be more resilient to a warming climate in the next you know, 50 years or so trees Hopefully, once you plant it, it's going to last a long time. And so you really need to be thinking, you know, far into the future in terms of the trees you plant. Thank you to everybody in town that, that does care for and maintain their trees. We're going to be trying to um, do some replacement with, with these two, this one grant I already mentioned and another um, that we have to try to help with um, getting some, some replacement trees in place. And we definitely could use help from residents in terms of um, being willing to essentially adopt those trees and, and um, help with watering um, that's super important in the first three years of the tree's life. And so there'll be, there'll be more information um, coming out on that soon if you do get a letter from the city um, or a postcard asking about helping to take care of the trees. We would love um, your support with that.
Thank you for listening. If you have any further questions about Emerald Ashbore management, check out the description of this episode for show notes containing additional resources. While Emerald Ashbores have not yet been identified in Northfield, they are present in locations as close as Fairbow and Burnsville. Counties are often put in quarantine after Emerald Ashbore sightings. Be sure to avoid transporting wood, such as firewood, between these locations to avoid spreading Emerald Ashbore. If you suspect that you might have ash trees on your property, make sure to begin developing your canopy and budget plan. Thank you to all of our guests for joining us on Sustainable Northfield. 